You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Jacqueline Novogratz is founder and CEO of Acumen Fund, a nonprofit global venture capital fund that works to solve the problems of global poverty with entrepreneurial approaches. Her new book is The Blue Sweater, Bridging the Gap Between the Rich and the Poor in an Interconnected World. Thank you for joining me, Jacqueline. It's a pleasure. Jacqueline, you know, it struck me as I read your book, you came out of college back in, you know, the, the, the 80s, and you had a, this fantastic job with Chase Bank. You were ready to rule the world, but instead you decided to save the world. And I'd like you to talk about making that decision at that point in your life. You were really young then, weren't you? I mean, I, I was 25. Well, the truth is I actually really loved banking. I loved seeing the power of investing in entrepreneurs and, and companies that took ideas and made things happen. I was mostly working in Latin America during the debt crisis, and particularly in Brazil, saw that there was really no place for low-income or even lower-middle-income people at the banks. And it seemed that the banks would do really well lending to um, people who were starting businesses that just didn't have a ton of resources. So it was definitely a decision that was made fairly quickly, I would say, in terms of seeing the opportunity and the disparity coexisting that made me decide to at least try to see if there might be a way of extending banking services to low-income people. You know, one of the things I really love about this book is that, you know, this is not an easy journey for you, and you really give us the, the, the nitty-gritty details uh, of, you know, your uh, uh, actually, uh, a process of maturation in terms of your emotional ability to, you know, empathize with these people. You started out, you know, kind of uh, trying to follow in the footsteps of uh, Mohammed Yunus, who was won a Pulitzer Prize recently for, you know, establishing this idea of microloans. So, talk about what happened when you first went to Africa with all the best of intentions. Um, I think, like so many. Uh, young people, and actually, well, as a quote-unquote well-educated American, I had the ability to go and save the world, mm-hmm. and so really went with that idea in mind, and was confronted with the fact that most people don't want saving, and they certainly don't want saving by young, overly educated, but not necessarily ex- ex- skilled or experienced individuals who uh, come in with their own ideas, and so... It was a journey of learning that to be useful, one, you have to understand why you're there for you and not thinking that you're there for some other reason because at the end of the day you are there largely for you and for the adventure of learning and giving, but in a way that has to be much more mutually supportive. And I think that was a huge part of the journey for me in in the early years at least. Well, you know... um one of the things I, I think that you do so well is uh, not just uh, experience this journey. You allow us as readers to experience this journey with you. And, and this is a long journey through your life. So I'd like you to talk just a little bit about uh, crafting the prose and crafting the book and 
abridging the history in a manner that makes it seem like a, a kind of a page turner to find out what's going to happen to Jacqueline as she tries to immerse herself in African culture and, and tries to figure out a way to help these people, help herself themselves while doing what she really wants to do, being herself. This is a lot of different conflicting goals. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily conflicting goals, actually. I, I, I think it's the journey of, of life, uh, mm-hmm. certainly life, a life that is committed to something bigger than oneself, which I think is the journey to meaning and happiness, is that by diving into something that is bigger than you, an idea particularly, whether you have the skills or not, if the commitment stays clear, you end up creating meaning out of all of the ups and downs and the people that you meet along the way and the great challenges and over time the successes as well. And and maybe that's part of the key to what life is all about, that it that as humans we too often try to separate goals. I want to go make money and then I will uh, try to do something good or this is for me, and later I'll do something for others. Rather, if you start from this place that we're all here to give our gifts to the world in ways that we can, and we challenge ourselves to go further than we ever thought we could go toward that end, I think at the end of the day, the world changes, but, and as importantly, we all change. My own experience has been that it's been an incredibly joyful life, despite all the ups and downs that you talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things I think that really comes through in the book in terms of just the the sheer beauty of the prose and the exuberance of the writing. And, and I think that's that's what carries us as readers through the book. I'd like you to just talk about your uh, process as a writer, um, sitting back, reflecting on your life, and then recrafting it as, you know, a, 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 a book. Oh, the process of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I wrote the book while I was also running Acumen Fund, which is um, an organization that is invests in entrepreneurs that are changing lives of low-income people around the world. So I didn't have a lot of time uh, in big chunks. I typically, as an insomniac, I would wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night and uh, think about life, think about my life then. And... It really happened over a 10-year period. So mm-hmm. I had gone to Rwanda to start this bank in my, when I was 25. And seven years later, the women with whom I had started the bank ended up playing every role of the genocide. Uh, one was killed by, right at the beginning. One saw her whole family be killed. One was actually a planner of the deaths of you know, 800,000 people. And so for four years, I went back. Um, every year to see what, if I could learn, see if I could understand what is actually happening, how could good people end up doing such terrible things. Mm -hmm. And I took a lot of notes. I took reams of notes and transcribed all of those conversations. When I decided, and then I, when I started Acumen, I put all of that aside. And then when I decided to really write, I was going to write a book about genocide. I was going to write a book about what it means to be human and try to capture the human spirit. But I was so in the thick of creating Acumen Fund that I suddenly real, realized that it, it was too out of sync with where I was and that the real story was this trajectory of 
learning about poverty and learning about better ways of solving poverty through my personal journey, my personal experiences, but against this global backdrop, Mm -hmm. against the last 25 years that have seen such enormous change. When I lived in Rwanda, I would reflect on the fact that I had no telephone in my house. I had no car. There was obviously no email, no internet. So you were really cut off in ways that uh, made it a very different situation, in some ways better Mm -hmm. than we have now, because you were fully immersed. And in many ways, uh, much harder. And it was that kind of reflecting on what I've learned, where I am today through Acumen, and thinking back to who I was when I was 25, 30, 35 years old, and um, focusing in on the extraordinary characters that had shaped my life that I feel so grateful to have known. People like um, Charlotte, who's a woman in the book who survived the genocide and borrowed what was given four liters of milk, essentially, and then borrowed $50 and ultimately turned that into this big thriving restaurant in Rwanda, or those four women with the survivors from the bank, Um, a woman who I call Liberata, who saw her whole family being uh, murdered, and how much she taught me, and really wanting to bring them to life for Rwandan young people in Rwanda today, but in the rest of the world. And it just kind of evolved out of that, I would say. You know, one of the things I think that uh, uh, strikes me as I read your book is that the importance of stories in our lives and the way that telling, the way that you tell your story, the way that you chose to tell your story helps define who you are and helps us to immerse ourselves in these places and people that we might not even comprehend or know. And I think you do a really great job of um, immersing us in the storytelling aspect uh, of of the journey of your life, and, and that takes us to, as I say, places and worlds that we might not even comprehend could exist. Well, thank you. I, I, I think part of the real blessing in my life has been to having spent so much time in communities across lines of difference, that, as trite as it sounds, this constant recognition that at our most fundamental we really are the same. We really yearn for dignity at our, our most fundamental. And that if you spend enough time with any human being, you can find this beautiful story inside of them. That's, um, that's it. We're a narrative species. We're nar- that's what we do. We're a narrative species. We create species. meaning about who we are mm-hmm. through our stories. Exactly. And I think and, you do a great job of it unearthing that for us. Well, thank you. So talk about, um, you know, gathering these stories. And and I think the way that you architect the book gives us a a feel for not just the individual stories, but the connections between the stories. And I think that's what's really important, too. The collecting the stories is just part of the way that we work at Acumen. Mm -hmm. Um, our Our organization believes that if you are going to create companies and organizations that serve low-income people, you have to care about who they are as people, just as any company would care about their customer if they're going to be successful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in that caring, we and I spend a lot of time sitting on floors and in fields with farmers and the real customers from a sense of deep curiosity. And so we're constantly collecting stories of the people that we serve and 
who end up being our teachers. And in terms of weaving the narrative, um, I would say that there were lots of people who also helped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my editor, Lee Haber, as well as a woman named Dominique Browning, who would ask lots of questions. And it came, uh, came to me that it sounds far away, things that felt very, quote-unquote, normal to me were perceived of as exotic and and then trying to understand why and so then create bridges to that. And I think it's really the work of something we all have to do as readers today, and I think all of us have to see ourselves with the real leadership potential. In an interconnected world, we need to find the tools to transcend, to walk across lines of difference to build an understanding of one another. Um, At Acumen, we call it moral imagination. I talk about this a lot in the blue sweater. Mm -hmm. If you put yourself in another person's shoes and build solutions from that perspective, well, maybe we'd have a much different set of solutions than if you go in thinking that you have the answers. And that's at the crux of so many of the what the book is about, and I think what made it easier to weave. You, you know, um, I, this gets back, uh, of course, to stories that um, one of the things that we as a people need to do is to not just uh, immerse ourselves in our own stories, but to imagine other people's stories from their perspectives. And as we do that, uh, we'll be able to form better connections with them and also just create better, stronger entrepreneurial uh, enterprise situations where we understand why we want to be with other people and how we can best serve them and how they can best help us. Absolutely. And it's not just America and Africa. It's mm-hmm. The leaders that we need today need to have the courage to open both of their arms to the world and really reject the petty ideologies and trite assumptions that keep us in our corners slinging opinions at each other and rather start from a mode of listening, mm-hmm. of asking questions, of trying to understand, of recognizing that the leadership of today to, to even begin solving the complex problems that we have is going to take a combination of many disciplines as well as government and the private sector all working together and that we need, we need to renew our institutions of government and of capitalism um, to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I see that through these individual stories, whether it is of Jane, an ex-prostitute HIV positive who can buy herself a home because of the work that she's done with Jami Bora in Kenya, or Elia Rahemu, young, uh, an older man in Tanzania, who, because he has a, gets a bed net, is able to become so healthy finally for the first time in his life that he can buy a mattress at age 66 and for the first time, not sleep on a mud, mud, mud floor. All of this is connected to a different way of looking at the world, not trying to serve them by feeling sorry for them and just bringing charity, nor saying, hey, guys, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The market's going to take care of you. But recognizing that we need more nuanced solutions mm-hmm. to solve problems of poverty everywhere in the world, including in the United States. And that kind of leader needs to like people, be curious about people, and build solutions that enable people to see themselves as part of the solution and have the tools truly to help themselves through choice, 
through opportunity. Um, for us at Acumen, we believe that that's where dignity starts and that that's the world we need to create together and that we have the tools to create today like we've never had before. Jacqueline Novogratz is the founder and CEO of Acumen Fund. Her new book is The Blue Sweater, Bridging the Gap Between Rich and the Poor in an Interconnected World. Thank you for joining me, Jacqueline. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.